Hey guys, and welcome back to the Divine Witch Podcast. Today, I am having a beautiful host named Megan. She is going to be joining us today as we talk about spirituality and mental health. So if you would, Megan, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Yes. Hello. Um, so I'm Megan or Meg Dixon. Um, I'm a social worker and also um, an energy healer and Reiki master. So how long have you been in the spiritual pagan community? Sure. So um, that's pretty interesting. It's only been for about, I would say, going on four years now, um, three and a half, four years. I spent most of my life um, really not subscribing to any religious path or spiritual path. So it's only been in the recent um, past couple of years that I've come into studying the different pagan traditions and different spiritual paths. So do you remember that first time you got into the actual pagan community? Like what kind of brought you to it? You know what I mean? Because everybody has that sort of moment, whether it be an event popped up or just something in their lives or someone told them. Sure. Um, so I'd always been a little bit into astrology. Um, and then I learned about human design. Uh, so that started to spark my interest to say, hey, you know, there's something more going on here. Um, but then really what happened was I got very sick with um, a kidney infection in 2018. And when I got out of the hospital, I thought to myself, I've heard of that Reiki stuff before. And right now I just want to try anything I can to heal my body. Um, so I, you know, kept going with the traditional treatments as well, but I got Reiki and that really is what launched me um, into looking into different, you know, spiritual paths. So from like, where, what did you grow up as? Like, what was your family's like religious background? Because I like to show the difference between where people came from as far as their lineage and then where they ended up or what they choose to identify as. So what would that be for you? Sure. Um, so my dad is a pastor. Um, so I did grow up. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure if you knew that or not, Debbie, but my dad is a pastor. Um, yeah, <laughs> now I will say this though, um, both my parents, although I grew up in the church, they were pretty, they let me question things some, and they let me be my own person. Um, they, I did, I think I stopped going to church like around age 12 and there really wasn't a big fight or a battle. So while I did grow up, I do feel a little bit disconnected from people that were really enthralled in the church, you know, as a child. Right. And like, that's one of the things that you mainly hear. And I said it to other guests as well is when it comes to spirituality, there's such a it's almost like a cult following when it comes to spirituality, depending on the past. And in some instances, it is a cult. Um, I'm not saying Christianity is, but you know what I mean? Like just the mindset of this is the way, this is the only, you know, thing. And from that kind of standpoint, do you think from that background to what you've been seeing over the last couple of years, do you feel like there's similarities or differences when it comes to the pagan community? Mm, I do definitely have ran into some similarities for sure. Um, definitely saw, you know, oh, join this path or this path. And right away I was like, ah, I'm going to, you know, go with my own path. I'm going to see what resonates with me. So, right. and I think, I mean, I've seen it in both places. I still attend church from time to time. There is one church in the area that I do feel very welcome at. And when I was going through my spiritual awakening, they were very supportive to me um, and really helped me understand it. So, you know, as, as always, I think there's the bad apples and the good apples. And I've definitely ran into them on both sides of the coin. Right. And I, I can understand that. Um, you know, I've been in the pagan community publicly for like the last six years. 
but I've been pagan for over 20 some years. So it's like, you know, you get your books and your resource material and things like that, but then you also get the new wave of technology being added into it. So it adds a different uh, kind of interpretation to it when it comes to spiritual path, because you're not only just getting what you get from a book, maybe here or there, but you're getting it from all sides. Um, with that being said, you know, one of the reasons that I had you on this podcast is because uh, one, I met you at Sacred Market. It was a great event. I'm glad I got to meet you. It was one of the highlights of it, actually, for me. And as I was talking with you, you know, you brought the mental health aspect, the social aspect, the counseling aspect. And, you know, with me right now, I'm taking a hiatus, sort of, because I'm still doing the podcast. But I wanted to start a conversation for not only us, but within our pagan community and abroad to where we start bringing the two of mental health and we bring in, you know, the psychological, the spiritual as well. So can you tell me a little bit more about the work that you got started into, kind of what got you into that? Sure. So that really ties um, back to 2018 when I had that first Reiki session. Um, I had just started my own private practice at that time um, and was also teaching at a college and working for a crisis team. So I was pretty busy to say the least. And then here I had discovered, oh my gosh, you know, this is healing me. Can I incorporate this into my therapy practice? So that's really where it started. Um, and then I just started seeing more and more clients come to me where I'm like, you're going through more of a spiritual awakening, aren't you? And they're like, yes. And I knew that you would know that. Mm -hmm. And it even like gives me the chills and the goosebumps to think about now, because I was like, what am I going to do with this? So I had been on a crisis team and I was seeing so many people with psychosis um, methamphetamines was really popular. I mean, it still is, but it was very popular. Right. So a lot of my calls were involved with that. And I was just like, what I was seeing was just, it's not, it was not matching my training. And it just really started to make me question, you know, when people have mental health breakdowns, could that be they're, they're discovering their own spiritual gifts and they don't know how to handle it. And that's another thing, like when you come into the spirituality aspect of like um, psychology or finding someone to talk to, a lot of the people that I know, they have trouble finding someone who can both understand the spiritual side of it and understand the mental side of it. Because there is a lot of things that, you know, within spirituality or even paganism, like communicating with spirits, communicating with God, different signs, symbols, stuff like that, you know, if you were looking at that out of a religious context, it can make you sound a little bit out there. So like, I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're starting to get to the point where religion and science is working together because it all works together, like you said, with the mind, the spirit and the body. When one system fails, they all fail. And it's like a domino effect. So with that, you know, and can you tell me, like, what is the difference between the social worker degree versus the psychological degree, like psychology? Because I looked into it a little bit, and they're similar, but they're different. So for anybody who doesn't know, can you go into that so they understand where you're coming from? Sure. So um, now I don't know all what, you know, courses that psychologists take from what I've seen, like with clinical counseling, which that would be like the master's or you could get a master's in psychology, you really have to get a doctorate in psychology. Um, again, though, with my path, I can do therapy. I could have my own private practice the same as a psychologist. Um, I can diagnose people the same as a psychologist. There is actually nothing right. that I can't do that a psychologist can do. And the kind of cool thing about it is I have a license. So, I mean, that can go back and forth, but psychologists don't have a license. So if they mess up, there's really nobody to report them to. They're kind of out there on their own. Um, now, sure, they have the American Psychological Association and you could go down that path if needed, but there's not a regulating board 
um, so that's really the big difference. Other than that, I can do the same exact thing that a um, psychologist could do with a PhD. So does it differ from state to state or, uh, based on the laws or is it all kind of just uniform? I, I can't be 100% sure on that fact, but I think that it's uniform. I don't think that there is a regulating board for psychologists. Again, you know, you're not without anything. They have malpractice insurance, you know, they have to carry that kind of stuff just like I do. It's just, there's not a licensing board regulating what they can and can't do. So it's a little bit freer depending on how you look at it, you know, could be good or bad. But yeah, I always suggest to people if they want to get into counseling and they want to go down the path of having a license, the social work is really the best because we also get a lot of other training too, like, you know, social injustices and learning how to advocate for different, you know, populations and things like that. Well, that is pretty awesome. And I do appreciate you sharing, you know, your knowledge today and giving up your time because time is precious, as we all know. Um, when it comes to one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about, and you've seen it in the list of questions beforehand, is knowing the difference between a psychological episode and spiritual. Because that's one thing that I know some people, depending on their mental health issues that they deal with, like, is this something that I'm seeing because of something that's going on? Or is it spiritual? So how would you give advice to someone trying to figure out which is which? That is a great question. And I think that is really where this conversation starts to go down two paths, you know, when you're just talking in generalities. So what I truly believe is a psychotic episode and a spiritual awakening or realizing that you have spiritual gifts are one and the same in the beginning. And I will um, talk about like Eastern religions. So a lot of times in other countries and Eastern religions, when somebody, you know, is a shaman or in the village, they're like, oh, you have gifts. It's around age 18 to 22, which is the same age that we use here for what we call the first break, right? So if you were in a different setting, instead of your parents taking you out to the hospital to get help, which is what's here, I'd like to change that. (laughs) I'd like there to be other options. Um, But right now, that's what we have. Where in the other country, they're going to take you to the medicine man, right? So a part of my story that I haven't shared um, so far here is back when all that was going on, I started really realizing I had some deep spiritual gifts. And I'm like, holy, what do I do with this? Because it was very much, of course, conflicting with what I, you know, did right. for a living you know like I was like oh my gosh duality at its core right now and I'm not the kind of person that can sit in duality like that so what I started to think about was okay looking at the criteria when I diagnose somebody the biggest thing is does this negatively impact your life right so I can sit here all day and I can think I'm talking to aliens I can talk to the divine goddess I can call on spirit. I can name my spirit guides as I walk through my hallway and talk to them in the shower if I so prefer. Right. Where it becomes a problem is, does my spirit guide tell me to hurt myself? Is my spirit guide telling me to do something that's not good? Am I then not going to work? Am I not paying bills? You look at those standards and that's what can flip it, I believe, you know, and I would honestly, a part of my passion is wanting to get into a position where I could study this further. Um, but I truly believe that it's, the, it's one and the same. It's how it's handled. And that was what happened to me. So here I am, like talking to my parents, right? My dad, right. the pastor. Okay, their child who had not had um, really any, qual- I mean, I I just kind of dismissed it all. I got, you know, it was whatever to me. Um, and all of a sudden I'm like, yo, I'm getting messages from somebody and like, blah, 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 blah. And I look like that meme of somebody going through spiritual <laughs> awakening where they're like tagging everything. And I'm right. like, oh my gosh, what, what am I on to? You know, and then I get trained as a Reiki master and then I get trained in energy healing and body talk therapy. 
and people, all these mentors are coming to me and I'm like, whoa. And it did impact my life for a moment. And, you know, I can say that now very openly. It did. I have the same gifts now as I did back then. Right. It's just when somebody got me instead of to, you know, the hospital where they're like, you're not crazy, but like, yeah, we don't know. Go home. Right. Right. And that's like the downfall when it comes to the whole spiritual versus mental um, kind of thing. Another uh, tip someone gave me once was like, if you really want to know if it's just your mind playing tricks on you, feel the energy, not the emotion. If you feel energy from it, then it's something that is tangible. If you feel emotion only from it, then it is something that has caused something within your mind. And that always kind of stuck with me as some good advice. So I wanted to share it with everybody. Now, that's perfect. um, You know, speaking of mental health, one of the things that you do is past life readings, things that deal with past life trauma. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to go to someone about, you know, for a past life reading or Mm-hmm. things like that but how does that trauma necessarily carry over into this life so that's something you know as I'm exploring these gifts I have and then still being a therapist I'm like okay well again we're sitting in some duality this I've got to come across something that's going to be useful in both worlds and as I was doing my own self-work I started remembering some of my past lives and then had it, you know, confirmed um, working with other people, mentors of mine, honestly. And I'm like, oh, wait, this makes sense of something that I'm like holding on to in this life that I just couldn't figure out. And it was like forgiveness for myself. And so then when I started doing my soul journey readings, which I know we'll, we'll talk about later on, um, that started coming through. And I was like, okay we can pull up something from the past life that resonates who cares if it's real or not right who cares if our beliefs are wrong about it if it helped me to think in a past life I messed up and I need to forgive myself and I did the work real tangible work in this life and I'm better who cares if it's right or wrong and so I've started to incorporate that some working with people, even, you know, at events like what we were at, and then also in ongoing counseling as well. I think you're still muted. I couldn't hear any of that. I think you're still muted. I was. I was still muted. I was trying to tell you, but it wasn't working. (laughs) The moment where you're like, you're trying to respond, but it just doesn't work. And that's why I identify as a squirrel. Okay. So basically what I was saying is, you know, when it comes to the events like Sacred Market and things like that, you're putting yourself out there. You're sharing your own journey. Plus you're taking other people's journeys on as well. So how is that helping you in your own spiritual path? I know that's not a question, but, you know, as we're conversating new things, you know. No, that's perfectly okay. Um, I think it helps me personally to share because I want to normalize it. You know, if, if I went through this where I was, I taught at a college, I had my own practice, I was well respected in my profession, like my opinion was gold, at least my ego right. thought then right and then all of a sudden I was nothing to anybody I felt going through and realizing I had these gifts and as soon as I found people that could just sit me down for one second like yo this is what's going on I was like yeah you're right okay I can do this and I mean it was you know a couple of days maybe a couple of weeks all together that I it took me to get it back together. So when I'm sharing that story, I want to normalize it for other people. I think that's a big part of it because people are like, oh, I'm bipolar. I'm like, you're bipolar and you have deep spiritual gifts. Let's talk about that. You know, 
you step into that bipolar disorder because then your spiritual gifts are too extreme and you've stepped into disorder in your life. And I even believe that medications can be helpful sometimes to bring somebody back into a state where then they can, you know, start to work on right. things. So I don't, I don't disregard that either. So I think just getting this message out and Hey, like if you know, human design, I'm a three, five, that's the martyr and the heretic, you know, it's kind of my purpose to try to share this and bring some attention to it. Right. And, you know, like I said, you know, and we're going to probably say this 20,000 more times on this podcast, that with modern medicine over here in the Western culture, it is, well, this is your problem. Here's your drug. There you go. But that's only fixing the symptom, not the issue itself. And that's the same thing when it comes to the mind as well. And speaking of things of the mind, one of the things that I brought up to you before this podcast was about DMT and you kind of started deep diving on it. So do you want to share what you've learned, what you think about it personally and kind of go from there? Sure. So now, I mean, I, I looked into the DMT a little bit more after you suggested it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know too much about it. Um, I do want to touch on just like my experience with the psychedelics and what I've learned, you know, kind of being in this dual role in this community that I'm in sometimes. Um, Cause I go to a lot of music festivals um, and some people there are using psychedelics to go through awakenings. And I don't have any judgment on that. Um, it's not something that I personally was really that into, but then as I started seeing more and more people use it for a healing journey, I'm like, Hmm, okay. Maybe there is something to this. And the coolest thing ever, I think, is that the Ohio State University, the Department of Social Work actually has a school of psychedelics um, consciousness research. That Now that's hooked with the John Hopkins Center, um, but it's within the Department of Social Work at Ohio State University. It, I couldn't find a whole lot, like how you, it just started in September. So right, right, right. now. So still new. It's very new. Yes. So, but you could get like a minor with your social work degree. It looks like, you know, and that's something that I definitely want to do. And that's why I'm fighting so hard to stay as a social worker, you know, because it has been difficult. I did therapy in a medical marijuana place for a little while. You right. know, I really put myself out there like this is what I believe and I'm just going to keep pushing through. So now with the DMT, one thing I found out was really interesting is it can be, it's shorter acting than, right. you know, using mushrooms, even with like microdosing. Cause I think, you know, um, the psilocybin, that's what everybody knows. That's more, you know, the mushrooms, they know that. Right. Okay. But it's longer acting. So to use it in a therapeutic setting, they're having a lot of promise with the DMT, even putting it into um, like pill form. So it could be easily like ingested because um, there were like some IV treatments with it. Right. And that's too much, I think. Um, so right now it's, well, and then DMT is also, it, that's the active ingredient in ayahuasca, which I didn't know that. <laughs> I know I was reading the article you sent me and I was like well you learned something new you know what I mean like yeah. psychedelics have been one of those things even like in the height of it like the 70s you know peace love opening your mind different waves of thoughts and realistically when it comes to the brain and the human mind we don't know that much because we haven't had that much to study most of the things that we've learned whether it be psychological or health-wise has been through experimentation or some traumatic times in history. So like when you break it all down to where we're getting to a point to where they're realizing, hey, these medications or these natural substances interact with a certain neurological brain pretty much to do what they need to do. It, it's fascinating. It's just like, you know, in the 90s, smoking pot could land you in prison forever. And now you can go get it, government, you know what I mean? Like, it's just mind-blowing where we've come from. And speaking of mind-blowing and going back to the things of the past, when it comes to, like, the past life regression, 
Um, you know, there's a lot of people that say that they can do it. We're not going to get into who can do it, who cannot. That's not what we're doing here. But what would be your suggestion on people trying to find someone? Because if they're not local to you, what are the signs of someone that's good? Um, and one that you should probably look for somewhere else. So I think word of mouth and that is probably key, you know, when you're looking for past life regression. Um, also, and this is just kind of coming to me like intuitively right now, like looking for somebody else, I would say, see what else they're trained in. If that's all they're trained in. And when I say trained, I come from a place of like chaos chaos magic like I never took any Akashic Records training I will say that right now I have worked with people though and I you know I do have a Reiki master and I've been attuned and I think that's very important right Um, I think you can really branch off any which way you don't need a bunch of certificates but I do feel like you should at least have one kind of person that you know is a guide and is attuning you also if anybody tries to give you um like you were this person and you're going to be like important in this life. Watch out. That's culty. 100%. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Because it's like this. Who cares what I was in the past life and who cares to, you know, to you, you don't care who I was in a past life. I don't care who you were in a past life exactly. because it doesn't mean anything in this life other than I do believe because we are coming up on the age of Aquarius. And we are ending big life cycles that a lot of people are remembering like, oh, crap, I forgot to heal that thing. Right. And because that veil is so thin in so many people. I mean, in my practice, I see construction guys sitting on my couch with tears like, what's going on? I'm talking to my grandma. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? So it's, many it's people are realizing for people, you know, like mm-hmm. the world is changing, the consciousness is changing, spirituality is, you know, there's always going to be the fire and brimstone or a sacrifice that got to be made. But consciously, spe- like Star Trek is what comes to mind, in my opinion, because I'm a Trekkie. <laughs> but it started like, today, did you know that? In exactly. 1966. <laughs> exactly so like i'm all like you know religion or spirituality and science are two and one and the same they both have to exist at the same time mm-hmm. so it's just it's it's interesting concepts when it comes to past life now i will say this for anybody who doesn't know as my part of advice i would give is don't take nothing without knowing um especially because uh, a few years ago there was a gentleman around here that was doing past life regressions and was drugging women. Um, so be careful. If you don't feel like you want to go by yourself, go with another. No, normally they're not going to tell you you can't have somebody in there. They're just going to say be respectful of the space. So that's kind of like my two cents when it comes to that. Now, since you did bring up Akashic Records, you want to go a little bit about what it is, how you got started and where it's led you to now. Sure. So with body talk therapy, um, my body talk therapist was also getting um, into the Akashic Records at the time. And she kept saying like, ooh, I want to read your Akashic Records. And I kept saying, ooh, I just want you to do body talk therapy. I don't think right. I can. Um, but in body talk therapy, it does go into the Akashic Records. So that's where I started to get my feel for it was when I was trained as a body talk therapist. Um, so with the body can, talk therapy, can you give us a little bit about what yeah. that is? Because I'm not even I'm sure. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. Um, so body talk therapy, it's very much based on like quantum physics. I'm trained in the body talk access level, the full system. Again, like I understand it, you know, but I'm not certified in it. Right. Um, it does, though, is it basically says that we have you know, this brain and then our heart brain and our stomach brain. And we need to connect those and get our body talking. That's how I use it in my practice. If you go deeper and I've had, you know, this is, I had this after the Reiki in 2018. So like back to back was like, whoa, mind blowing. She was able to use biorhythmic feedback and then tell me like, oh, well, your kidneys are affected by this friend 
with this letter and what she said, there was no way she could have known. And then she right. tapped that past life memory out of me. Well, that was this life, but then there was other ones that, you know, came up from like things that had happened to me in a past life. So as I started doing my practice, really one day it was pretty unconscious. And I'm just like, I think I'm into records. So okay. when you start talking about biometrics, are you talking about more of the tuning fork? Were you yeah, equal so out? No, it's biorhythmic feedback. And so as you can see, you basically like it's you go with the pulse on your hand and you ask questions okay. and it changes for yes and no. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm not again, I didn't go through the full training in that. I mean, intuitively. Um, I can do it with myself to try to identify something. Like I had an energy healing session yesterday and beforehand when I was tuning in to see what I needed to work on, I used that on myself, um, you know, to see what area, you know, came up and it was exactly what came up when I got there. So I know it works, but it does take you into the Akashic record. So as I was doing it one day, I was like, oh, I think this is what they're talking about because I just went into this like guided meditation really. Um, and the way I enter the records is I ask for permission from my guides and their guides. Some people, and this is um, something I've learned from a mentor recently, will have a guide specific for the records. So there's, a, I think a lot of it is just being able to ask permission. Right. You know, and and using it with respect and not drugging people and you know, right don't be that guy don't be you that know. guy and I guess I didn't say this people that don't know the Akashic records it's the record of anything past present and future right. um so I steer very clear of being a prophet to others um but you can you know see that but there's always different paths so i focus more on like going into the past with it and then how can we heal in the present day right so what would you suggest for someone learning or wanting to learn how to do it like what was there something you read um someone that you learned from that you could recommend videos you've seen since then to kind of tune yourself in better for someone who's looking into it? Um, so my Reiki master is nowhere around here any longer. Um, and that's where I was attuned through her. So I think really it's just important, like I said, to be attuned and then be just in that healthiest energetic space. I truly believe that the universe your guides, you know, whatever um, system, you know, you call in, as long as your intentions are good and healthy, you can't really go too wrong. Right. And I, again, if you ask for guidance, the universe is going to put people in your place. You know, after I left my, that Reiki session, that's what happened was my old boss came through and she was my biggest mentor. She passed away during the eclipse in 2017, like when the sun was out. Aww. Yeah. And she came through and the Reiki master's describing her to me. And I'm like, she's passed away. How do you know what she looks like? And then I was like, oh my gosh. You okay. just answered your own question. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. So I think, again, it's just about and what her advice to me was, you need to ask for help. And so then I just started saying, okay, put the people in my path. And so I think it's kind of the same with everything. But again, going back to what you said too, and don't claim something that you don't know how to do. Right. Yeah. That's why I always say, I don't know everything, but I know what I know, you know, you know. Right. <laughs> and it's, I think good intentions speak volumes when you're in this right. industry or, you know, community. It's really all about intention. There is a lot of craziness that can happen when it comes to any spiritual community, especially when you get ego involved or massive occult energy, not even a cult, but just cult energy sometimes. And you just, if you feel that back away, go home, do not collect $200. Um, you know, one of the things is when it comes to your spiritual path, what do you feel like you struggle with, especially 
you know, with being in the background and mental health and then going on this spiritual journey? Yeah. Um, mm. I would have to say probably in the beginning, something I struggled with the most was not being accepted by everybody any longer. You know, when you're real neutral, well, everybody likes you. (laughs) So, and being able to stay true to my purpose, one um, big thing branching from Christianity to spirituality is I didn't really have much, I wasn't a Jesus fan in Christianity at all. And when I stepped into spirituality, I felt very drawn to that path. And I pull a lot of things from that path, but it's not the Christian version. You know, it's that historical version. Right. So I struggled a lot in the beginning when I would meet people and they're, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, Jesus is my homie, but not Jesus Christ, because that's not the last name. He never said he was Christ that they did that, you know? And so like, peel that back um was kind it was intimidating you know and I struggled with how am I going to relate um but then again you know the universe put all kinds of people in my path and now I know how to have that conversation with somebody in a very non-judgmental because so many people have been traumatized by the church and that's the thing like you know people when it comes to you know, getting temples or putting money in, in as a pagan organization, you get the fear of like the ties, um, people using their ego to push it. But realistically, if you even look back at the ancient times, temples were a place for people to come and show their dedication, a place to where they could be protected while they are doing what they do. And religious trauma is one of those things that sometimes it's hard to have conversations, especially if they came from a certain background to where it was super strict and there was repercussions otherwise because that's getting into a psychological syndrome of um oh what's that one word can't think of it but it'll come to my mind eventually and i'll end up screaming it randomly during this podcast but until that point basically you know you can't control when it comes to religious trauma but you also got to think that that's a person experience rather than a religious experience in itself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of good teachings, but sometimes they get twisted into what the individual wants versus what it was actually told. And there's also people that work with angels, work with demons, um, different times in history where you've had to use saints and all this different symbolism. I mean, if you look at Catholicism in itself, it's very rooted in some would even say occult practices just because the altar, the robes, the whole nine yards, the communion, giving of one's body. So there's a lot of similarities and, you know, we can go from there. But when we speak of similarities and it comes into a religious context, trying to get over things, you know, most people know it as shadow work. Um, but there is, you know, with Freud, And then his colleague later on, Carol Jung, who started to go deeper into what the shadow self was and breaking it down a little bit more for yourself and for others. How do you feel shadow work or the shadow self works as a reflection tool within spirituality and with one's mental health? So I think there's a lot to be said about shadow work. I th- it gets um, a bad rap when people don't know what it means. Um, it's really at the core of any therapist intervention that I'm going to use. I'm going to help you come to your own, why don't I want to change this? Or why is this causing me a problem? And then you're going to break it down, and probably get down to some core beliefs that you developed as a kid and from society and then you're going to be like oh crap I did all of this stuff when I thought I was right (laughs) because of these beliefs and that's that hard shadow work but I think it does have to be looked at and I there's a lot of talk about it nowadays and I it can become abusive too you know oh you just need to do shadow work or oh that must be a problem and within you we've all heard that and right. that's where it can get on that extreme. But I think anytime 
when you have an uneasy feeling towards a situation, it's always good to look within yourself. And that's what shadow work really means to me is just like, let's take a look at what's going on that's causing, because if my life is perfect, right, then I'm not going to have anything within myself. If my life is not perfect, which I don't know anybody's life is, you've got to look and see what that, what is that saying about you? And that doesn't mean we create our own chaos and blah, blah, blah. No, we react to it and that could happen. But you, I mean, it's just, you know, taking a look at yourself and also guess what? It's easier to change yourself than anybody else. Exactly. And I just find it funny sometimes when you get people who are like, I have nothing to work on. And it's like, you have everything to work on from the moment you take your first breath to your last one, because you're always going to meet new people. You're always going to change your thoughts. Like, I don't know if there's any scientific basis, but they always say, you know, rumor around that every seven years you change because your body changes, your personality changes. Whether or not that has scientific fact, I don't know, but I feel like that's the same thing with spirituality. You can start at one point and your ideas transform and move. I know mine have over the years and obviously yours has as well. Yeah. So do you feel like sometimes, you know, going back to the paving community, you know, that, well, you got to do it this way and it's got to be that way and this week and blah, blah, blah. That's one of the reasons why we say no to witches, which alike on this channel, because that's true because everybody has their own path. And when you're integrating within yourself and being mindful of yourself and what you do, it has a lot of impact. And when um, you get into the misconceptions, when it comes into shadow work or the shadow self or actually sitting down and having a conversation with someone like you or someone else to get help. What do you feel holds people back besides a spiritual aspect? Maybe you can help subdue some of those fears. Um, well, if you're meaning like, especially like going and talking to somebody, I think right now people are one, if you're just going to see a spiritual counselor, normally they're going to charge a lot of money. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but they just do it. They, it's not feasible. You know what I'm saying? Right. So to be as affordable. It just is not set up that way. So being able to trust somebody in a therapist setting is really hard. I mean, a lot of stuff I would have clients tell me, and I was even seeing it in kids and, you know, like it's just, no, I talk to spirits and I, I know you do too. And can we play this game? I'm like, sure. All right. Right. <laughs> you know, so I was seeing a lot more people be more comfortable with it. And a lot of people would talk about breaking family curses or generational trauma. And that helped spark the conversation for that shadow work. Cause I'm like, Hey, I bet you don't like that. Your mother does that because you do it too. Right. And they're like, Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> And, and that's another that's thing, you know, when it comes with kids too, and you think of a spiritual sense, you know, not like some of the omen or the exorcist, you know, but like me personally, I always seen it as my kids could do what they want when it came to spirituality. But I also feel like when it comes to spirituality, especially within kids, it gives them kind of like a moral road. It doesn't have to be a perfect moral road, but it's like, be kind to others, be kind to yourself, you know, and things like that. But then you get the other extreme version of that. So as a parent, no matter what their spirituality is, how do you find that balance of giving them the freedom to choose, but also trying to instill the right things in them from your standpoint, of course? I think you, I mean, you said it perfectly at the core of almost there could be one out there I'm not aware of, but any religious or spiritual path at the core of that is the golden rule, right? Be kind, be good to others. Now we know they all, not everybody practices what they preach. Okay. That's a whole problem. But so it really, if you teach your kid that, then I don't really think they can go too wrong, you know, depending on what path they go. Cause even if they go down one, that's not great. If you can reel them back into that, are you judging or being kind? But I also have to say with kids nowadays, I mean, my daughter, she's eight and um, 
I caught her making wishes in the new moon when she was like four years old. And that was in 2018 when I was starting. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like making wishes in the new moon. I'm like, huh? And I Googled it and that night was the new moon. And there was like, that's what you did. I'm sure she probably heard somebody talk about it or whatever, but still, I think the kids these days, they're pretty smart. And I agree, you know, like I think technology has a part in it, but also they've learned from the mistakes of others. And it's a beautiful thing to see, but sometimes you worry that, you know, at least as parents that you're doing the right thing and trying to make sure that they're safe, which brings about, you know, dreams with dream interpretation. Um, it can also be a part of shadow work as well. You know, um, there's dream books aplenty online and physical form, but how do you tell what is a message psychologically versus a, like a spiritual message? Mm. Again, I, you know, I think I go back to it's almost being, it's one in the same. It's how you interpret it and then what you do with it. So if it's something that's coming to you, like anything that when you have an access to another realm, because I truly believe that that's what's happening when you have schizophrenia. Right. I would see, I mean, there's common delusions amongst all people. And even when people are using methamphetamines, Johnny and, you know, like Georgetown and Fred and Middletown or whatever right. are both seeing, um, the same exact midgets at the same time. Mm -hmm. Come on. That's right. So again, though, if you're accessing that plane, they're trying to get a message to you in some way. Then I feel like it's what do you do with it? Right. Do you know what I mean? Do you go like, oh my gosh, this is something trying to freak me out? No, we could also go with like being psychically attacked and the negative things, you know, that come along with having an open spiritual gift. And I can touch on it for a moment. Keep yourself, you know, protected, find some kind of ritual, whatever resonates with you, talk to somebody um, and, and figure that out. Because if you are starting to realize that you have spiritual gifts and you're going through a spiritual awakening, learning some of those things. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. For me, it was just accepting that it was going on. Right. And then that was pretty much all I had to do. To I think sometimes, like, especially with people who are new into spirituality, it all becomes, oh, my God, I seen angel numbers. Or, oh, my God, I had a dream about a white dove. You know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's great. It's that almost like a childlike innocence and I but was like, there too so I get right. it and it's almost like for me I always tell people make your own interpretations some things you know are always going to be like certain colors associated whatever and certain numbers may mean something different to you than it does to someone else so what are the synchronicities that you are seeing versus what you think they should be because it's different for everyone and when right. we're speaking about crazy. I know like I don't know how many times people are like what does 111 or 1264 mean I'm like I don't know I'm like <laughs> I don't remember all the numbers and I think that's another thing that kind of gets lost within the mind too is mm -hmm. you learn so much over time some stuff just goes away some stuff comes back sure. but when it comes to you and it comes to your sessions um how do you offer them I know it's something me and you have talked about as well so right now um i have a couple different offerings i do like different live events like the sacred journey marketplace um i think my next event will be the rebirth festival um which is in new richmond ohio and then i've dayton pagan coming up in october <laughs> so those two events and then um outside of that though I do soul journey videos and I really like those because it's pre-recorded. Um, and I basically look at your astrology, your human design, and then take you on that guided meditation that I was talking about through the Akashic records. Right. And it's pretty much like 20 to 25 minutes, just packed full of all this stuff about you. Um, I usually get, you know, really good feedback on, oh, I can go back and watch that guided meditation again. You know, it's something right. that you can use 
over and over again. And I offer those for only $22. I keep it pretty reasonable because, you know, I think it doesn't take me but 20, 25 minutes. I'm sitting at home and I really enjoy doing them. I also, if you're local to um, the Dayton area, I offer some in-person sessions for energy healing. Um, It's outside in this beautiful space um, in a yurt. So with like the massage table and all of that. Um, for a full energy healing. I do have that. And those sessions can go into the Akashic Records too. I really leave it up to the person that I'm working with. Um, And then my third option is I take on limited amount of clients. Right now I have room for maybe one or two more where we will do um, like an hour, well, 40 minutes to an hour because Zoom cuts you off now after the 40 minutes. Yeah, even if you have one person. Uh, of like spiritual intuitive counseling. So that's not done under my social work license. That is separate from that. Uh, so we can talk about astrology, human design, lots of shadow work and be really like open and honest. Right. And I only charge $20 an hour for those, which is so usually one of the things that I think would be interesting and maybe I will rope you into it, so to speak. But like, I think like a kind of a group full moon session taking a journey would be really cool like as almost like a midnight class that would be really awesome um for anybody who's wanting to actually get a hold of you and to do sessions or just say hey you're freaking awesome how can they do that so you can um follow me on facebook i have my page just healing with meg Honestly, I haven't been using it that much because most people just end up being my friend. So you're more than welcome to friend request me. It's Meg Elaine Dixon on Facebook. Um, Just Healing 42 on Instagram. And then also you can feel free to email me at justhealing42 at gmail.com. And you can also call me. Um, I think you'll list my number at the end. There's no reason for me to. (laughs) like it's say whatever it you want whatever I mean people can have my number yeah um like, grab a pen and write it down real quick I think you'll have all that contact okay. information and yeah. as always guys you know how this goes I always put everything in the description down below along with the reference links and always remember no two witches witch alike